It's an amazing opportunity when you develop the ability to observe yourself and understand that you are a divine being. And there's a lot of really messed up stuff on this planet that we're carrying around within us. And there's an extraordinary amount of beautiful stuff on this planet that hopefully by making these choices, by choosing plants on your plate, we can start to really love our Mother Earth in the manner in which she is. She is such a beautiful living being and she is within us, around us, throughout us. So love yourself and love your mother. That's Julie Pyatt, and this is The Ritual Podcast. The Ritual Podcast. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing? What is happening? My name is Rich Roll. I am your host of this podcast. I'm here with Julie Pyatt today. Julie, how are you? Doing great, Rich Roll. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Yes, we are in New York City, uh, sitting at opposite ends of a bed in a tiny hotel room, recording this podcast. This is today. what we do in hotel rooms. <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like we should be naked because we're in the uh, bed. I was sort of like feeling like a John and Yoko, like naked recording situation. Is that what's happening right now? I don't know. Well, we could pretend do we have we're our doing clothes that. on? I'm actually wearing my me undies, so <laughs> I'm halfway there. Which is pretty epic. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've done a podcast together. So nice to have you back. Thank you, honey. Um, and we are here in New York City for a couple things. I'm doing a speaking event uh, tonight for On Running at WeWork, which should be cool. That's later this evening. And we're here uh, to do a little bit of promotional work around our new cookbook, which is mostly Julie's new cookbook, The Plant Power Way Italia, which comes out soon, April 24th. So kind of running around Manhattan, you know, doing interviews and and the like, which has been fun. We're super excited about this book. It's a beautiful book. It's really, uh, really fun to be able to present it and share it with the world. Um, it's, uh, it's gorgeous. And there's over, it's a follow-up to The Plant Power Way, the same size, the same thing, coffee table book. And there's over 125 recipes, plant-based versions and creations of some of my favorite food on the planet. We all get it. Sometimes the news can really wear you down. That's why Wildcard, a new podcast from NPR, feels like a solution. It's an interview show that gives a special deck of cards to a whole bunch of fascinating guests, all in the hopes of sorting out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, all party game. Wildcard comes out every Thursday from NPR. Listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. We're brought to you today by On. I am a total gearhead. I love researching the latest technology for the sports I enjoy. And I've learned that people often overlook apparel, but what you wear isn't just clothes. It is without a doubt, technology. Technology that can make or break a performance. And I can tell you after spending two full days meeting with the apparel wizards at On Labs in Zurich, that On is innovating in this space like no other with next-gen premium fabrics and just this 
heightened level of sophistication and precision and testing and development and intentionality previously unheard of that puts them just miles beyond the competition. I've been rocking Ons high-performance running apparel, including the long tees, the weather jackets, even the climate jacket, all super lightweight, tailored fit, built to move, and just gorgeous to get you out and get it done in fleet foot comfort, no matter the weather. I'm super proud to be a brand partner with this impressive team. From increasing product sustainability to improved energy return and impact protection, truly Swiss innovation at its finest. To get you moving, On is offering an exclusive 10% discount. To redeem, head over to on.com slash richroll and use code richroll10 at checkout. We're brought to you today by Brain FM. You know that thing when you have a bunch of intense work that you just have to do, but the mind doesn't really want to do it? You're telling it, come on, focus, but it keeps getting distracted or agitated by nonsense, and you go through this painful sort of mini war to rein it in, to settle it down, and just concentrate on the thing. Wouldn't it be great if there was something that would ease or eliminate this process? I don't know, like something you put in your brain through your ears? That would be great. And the good news is that it does exist. It's called Brain.fm, which is this sonic platform that leverages science to create tunes specifically crafted to optimize brain performance for a specific task. Tunes that contain patterns that shift your brain state with something even more effective than binaural beats called neural entrainment so that you can more easily focus on that thing or lure you into the sleep that persistently eludes you. Personally, I notice it the most when I sit down to write. Typically, this experience floods me with anxiety and a near lethal dose of the big R resistance that Stephen Pressfield talks about. But now I pop on the headphones, I dial up brain.fm, click the focus feature, and the process becomes, I mean, look, writing is still hard, but now it really is so much easier to get into that state of flow and stay there. So if you're ready to unlock your focus and productivity, I've got a special offer just for you. I asked them to give my listeners 30 days free and you can get it at brain.fm slash richroll. I bet you'll love it just as much as I do. So can I interview you a little bit yeah, about go this? Ahead. <laughs> so if somebody's listening and they got the Plant Power Way, our original cookbook, then why should they get this book? I mean, beyond the fact that it's like, okay, Italian, well, like why Italian? And like, why why, why should I be interested in this book? Why should you be interested? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who? first of all, I would say who doesn't love Italian food? I mean, I think it's a pretty widely revered cuisine that we have on planet Earth. Is and it the world's most popular food? I don't know. It, I it think could pizza, be. pizza is the most popular mm-hmm. food in America, I think. I don't know about the world. Yeah. And do you know I have a pizza section? I do. I, I am aware Qu- of quite that. Quite amazing. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> but plant-based pizza? It's pretty awesome. I mean, the you know, the, the sort of natural thing is that, you know, I released my first solo book last year in June called This Cheese is Nuts. And I really spent a couple of years and really mastered the expression and the creation of plant-based cheese. And what is the 
key ingredient in so many Italian dishes, it's the cheese. You know, cheese is very important in Italian cuisine. Mozzarella, yeah, mozzarella, burrata. The burrata. Yeah. Um, so the, the thing is, <laughs> that's our like our accent. If you could have so heard, bad. If there was an audio cultural in our... <laughs> appropriation gone awry in <laughs> a terrible so bad. direction. Um, if you could have heard an audio in our uh, our book promo trailers, that's how we would have been speaking in character. Yeah, it's a good thing we it's didn't do. Good audio. thing we didn't do that. Um, but anyway, yeah, so it's actually quite, it's quite amazing just in a, looking at it as a body of work, you know, like starting out with the plant power way. And I've always excelled in making plant-based food that's very lively and hearty and tasty and, you know, so far from just a lettuce leaf, but really full of a lot of flavor. <clears throat> and um, then with this cheese is nuts, mastering the cheese um, led me to Plant Power Italia. So I was able to even go one version more with the cheeses. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's like two or three recipes from the cheese book that are just as is that we migrated over. But I also took the existing cheese recipes and then went again, like another step, because I had more time to keep creating. Yeah. So it's really beautiful because it presents Italian food, which is such a, an amazing array of, you know, classic delicious dishes. And they're presented completely plant-based, compassionate, healthy, delicious. kinder for the planet, delicious. Um, I think I think people are really gonna love this book. I like this story. Well, first of all, as an aside, if you hear like annoying buzzing sounds and and jackhammer, we're, we're, we're in New York City, so there's there's only so much I can do. It's we're okay. not in a hermetically sealed studio. We're doing the John the John and Yoko thing. That's right. Hotel. We're um, in bed, anyway, you guys. Yeah, uh, I like this story. I don't know if you've told it. I don't think you've told it on this podcast before. The story that kind of. Um, served as the inspiration, not only for this book, but for the retreats that we were doing that kind of goes back to this one chef that inspired you. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, I was watching, well, the original, the original inspiration for the retreats was the fact that I traveled to Italy and did retreats in Tuscany right, we did at the, this yeah, villa. Yeah, you did these yoga and we found yeah. this villa and, and we have returned there. But beyond that, like with respect to the food element. Well, the food element, um, so let, let me back up and tell the beginning because it, uh, they're both connected. Okay. Can I do that? You can do Ritual. whatever can I do you that? want. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I started producing yoga retreats in Tuscany in the late 90s. And I had been invited to the specific villa in the countryside of Tuscany called Aisolana. And it was amazing because I arrived there as a guest and witnessed all these other people show up to this birthday party arriving from all over the world. And, you know, that evening we were all seated around a table eating dinner together. Um, now it was not, not a plant-based group, you know, back then, uh, but I had recently discovered yoga and started practicing yoga by myself out on the veranda, like looking over the lavender fields and hearing the church bells ringing. It was insane. And shortly after that trip, I went to Ravello um, and I, took my mat, woke in the early morning and took my mat into some ruins. And I started practicing yoga and I had my eyes closed. And when I opened my eyes, I saw that like half the village had come down into the ruins to watch me practice yoga. There mm -hmm. were like 50 Italians that were there. And this was like early, this was like mid nineties, right? Late nineties. Yeah, late nineties. So I was kind of embarrassed and felt self-conscious, but you know, we love our yoga. Us yogis love our yoga. And I just decided, okay, well, I can either stop and kind of 
you know, end my practice and slink out of the park or I can continue to practice. So I just closed my eyes and kept up with my practice. And when I finished, um, I opened my eyes and everyone had left except one old man who was sitting on a park bench about four feet from me. And he was dressed beautifully, like with a cashmere yellow sweater and a beautiful riding cap. And he was just waiting for me to finish. And he looked over at me and got up and shuffled over to my mat. And he reached his hand out. And for a minute, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Was he going to like pinch me or like grab me or like what was happening? Mm -hmm. He opened his mouth and smiled. He had no teeth. And I placed my hand in his hand and he bent down and kissed my hand. And then he looked at me in my eyes and he turned and shuffled out of the park. And, you know, you always talk about these defining moments in your life. And, and, and for me, this was one of those. Like, I really felt a presence of something so beautiful, you know, on many different levels. It, it was just beautiful that a man of that age would wait in the park for me to finish so he mm-hmm. could kiss my hand. Let's just call that the beautiful amore of Italians, you know, that is yeah, so gorgeous. That would never happen in America. Well, no. not that it would never happen, but mm. it's like, that is very Italian. And I mean, this is really, I mean, in the spirit that we made the video and, you know, and and it's really, you know, I always say when I, when I, when the plane lands in Italy and I go to pick up my rental car, I want to kiss the rental car attendant. Like that's how in love with Italy I am and her people and her land and her food. Um, And this was just, it was a message to me. It was so strong. And so it was at that moment that I decided to to take groups to Italy. And so that kicked off the yoga retreats and everything. So I did that from 1996 to 2003. The last retreat that I did, Mathis was one year old. Mm -hmm. And you came on many of those retreats with me, most of them. And it was just really super fulfilling because uh, we practiced yoga twice a day. That was the only program. There were no workshops. There was no journaling. There was no suggestion of anything. It was just yoga twice a day. And we used to go to the fashion outlets, which were nearby. And we called it Pradasana right. when we went to Prada. The Prada outlet. So, and that, those were the days <laughs> where, you know, the dollar was very strong. And so we would go there and get like things that were off the runway, just at super cheap prices. And it was, you know, really fun. And we really enjoyed it. And it was quite an international crowd that came there. And for years, though, whenever I would go out, even in L.A. or New York, I would run into groups of people that had been on my trips. Like, friendships were formed that last lasted lifetime. You know, really, really powerful. So then we went through our financial collapse. You guys know all about that. So that, that was like a nine-year downtime. But when... I felt, um, actually I had gotten sick when I don't really get sick that often, but I gotten some cold. And so I had to stay in bed for a few days and I thought, okay, I'm going to watch Netflix and I want to multitask. So I watched chef's table. And when, uh, the episode that features Francis Millman, who's an Argentinian chef came on, there was something about the combination of his Latin heritage. He's Argentinian. I'm Chilean. Um, the fact that he loved the primitive, like in Patagonia and outdoors, and he would actually go on expedition to create food in a, you know, in a foreign land or an exotic place. Um, I was raised in Alaska. You know, I have that primitive kind of vibe. And even though he was 
grilling meat, which I'm not in alignment with, and that wasn't what I wanted to do. There was a lot about him, a lot about his creativity, his spirit, his wildness, and the fact that he was traveling with his food to create an experience. Yeah, part of the idea was almost this pop-up nature of his cuisine, which is that he would travel to these regions and he would you know, sort of create a team out of out of the local, you know, culinary talents and young people, and then produce these events, right? Like for one night only or a couple nights only where he would prepare this amazing feast that was inspired by the cuisine of the region. So it was this kind of merging of his talent with what was um, like sort of authentic to that part of the world. Yeah, well, yes and no, it's actually not. That's sort of my, more my take on it. He does his thing, which is basically grilling meat in the earth. Uh So he goes in, he has a young teen, they're all in their 20s, they dig a pit, and it's this really cool experience, except for the fact that he's grilling meat, which I don't think is a cool experience, but that's okay. Um, I took the inspiration from him and from his spirit and also really love that he had young people around him. Like his crew is like in their 20s, and he's really into mentoring young people, and that's something that I really love as well. You know, my team and people around me tend to be very young. So um, I don't know. He just, it, it ignited something in me, reminded me of what I had begun with the retreats. And it showed me the possibility of what I could create globally. And and now that you had, you know, your amazing memoir, Finding Ultra, and you had your podcast and, you know, and we had a message and we had the Plant Power Way. And so my idea was I want to launch the retreats and also I will create a cookbook, you know, around Italian food. I designed the menu for the entire week when we go. And so I just got to creating and started creating, creating, creating. And I just used my knowledge of classic Italian dishes and then adapted them Mm -hmm. in a plant-based expression. Right, so so we go to this villa, Aisalana in Tuscany that you started going to way back in the late 1990s. We bring this group of people, uh, we, you, by we, I mean you, collaborate with the chefs of the region, leveraging your experience in plant-based cuisine, but also learning, you know, their techniques and, and what is kind of um, true, you know, for that part of the world to, you know, create this blended idea of what Italian 2.0, you know, plant-based could be. So while we're conducting this retreat, we're also crafting recipes and producing this cookbook like at the same time, which is kind of the outgrowth, the the creative expression of these experiences that we've had. Yeah, and it's amazing. You know, there was some question beginning in, you know, well, why would a chef collaborate with you? Why would they collaborate with you when they're not plant-based? And, you know, part of it is Giovanni and Francesco, the founders and owners of Aisolana, they are like my brothers, you know? I've seen them you know, for many, many years, I would see them once or twice a year. And we always had a really great experience. And so that relationship is very strong. And and they really worked hard to make sure that they got the ingredients that I needed and that they, you know, they met me for this experience. And their chefs, um, Francesca um, and Manuela, they were, I had sent, I sent them a rough of the book. So I sent them the menu and the recipes and kind of gave them, sent them the plant power way also so they could see how I create and how I cooked. And it was really, really pretty easy and and seamless. Mm -hmm. There was, 
it was all joy. There was no, there was no friction. It was just really, really beautiful. And they were really excited because Manuela, one of the chefs they brought in specifically for us, she um, owned a cheese and salami shop in London and she was diagnosed with cancer. She closed the shop after going through treatment. She believes herself that it was the meat and the cheese that made her sick. She is completely plant-based, a full-blooded Italian woman. And she told me that there's a there's actually a vegan society in Florence. Mm-hmm. So she was thrilled to collaborate. And she couldn't wait to show me also this Sicilian cheese recipe, which is hundreds of years old. And it's an orange Sicilian cheese that's baked in the oven. And um, so Aisolana did contribute. Plant-based cheese. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Um, exactly. Uh, Aisolana did contribute um, a handful of recipes that we included in the book. Um, but it, it's been really a blast working with them, showing them new ways, inspiring them, them teaching me, you know, the classic traditional things. Um, it's been really cool. Yeah, I think that this is, you know, your finest expression. Like the Plant Power Way, I love that book and it's fantastic but it's very much like, okay, this is standard kind of American fare. Like let's get, you know, the average person acclimated to the idea of plant-based foods. Um, but now you've kind of taken your talents to a new level of like, you know, sort of, I mean, these these recipes are easy to make, but like the the flavor quotient and the, the sort of, um, you know, complexity of texture is, basically next level from anything you've ever done before. Thank you. Well, they hold their own. I mean, they're very they're very lively and creati- creative and they really um, stand up. They stand well next to the classics. And in my opinion, it is 2.0 because it's better for your body. You can eat an eggplant parmigiana and enjoy all the decadence of that really and know that it's been kinder for the planet, compassionate for animals, and your body digests it. Like you don't have any, like any fallout from it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing with Italian food, as delicious as it is, it's like, okay, you eat an Italian meal and you gotta hibernate for like nine hours afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. Because be of heavy. the the heaviness of it or the just sheer kind of like, you know, processed carbohydrate content of it or the gluten quotient. So um, can this be done gluten-free? Like how did you kind of navigate, um, you know, this sort of classics with innovation? Well, I kind of took the middle path because I wanted to provide some very sort of, um, I don't want to say like substantial Italian substitutions for somebody who like, let's say they're Italian and they cook that way. I want to get them to eat plant-based. So I don't want to then take the gluten immediately. Um, So what I have is I have like, for instance, a gluten-free gnocchi um, that I was able to achieve. Actually, Mathis, our daughter, was key in this expression. She actually chose Italian plant-based cuisine as her semester project a couple of years ago. And she signed me up for a cooking class in Rome after the first retreat. And uh, so she actually was the... 
uh, I want to say the the head curator of the gnocchi recipe. And she has a tomato sauce in the book also that's called Mathis' Simply Red, which is really the most traditional, the most sort of on-the-nose tomato sauce. Um, so the gnocchi is gluten-free. And then I did a ravioli that is not gluten-free. But what I did is I ordered, and I suggest that you order a double O organic flour from a very great mill. You know, it'll cost you a few extra bucks, but you can have it. It'll last you forever unless you're eating ravioli every day, which I hope you're not. (laughs) So um, it's really worth it. And um, so that's sort of what I did. But most of the book is gluten-free. Also, let me take this opportunity also to talk about pizza crusts. Same way, I did a low gluten that was actually given to me by the Happy Pear. It's a spelt a pizza crust. And then um, I have a regular, which is made with double O. And then an amazing young lady named Haley Laux. Um, she's my friend June's daughter, Haley. She created the most insane cauliflower gluten-free pizza crust. It is fall down on the floor gorgeous. And she gave it to me, for the, gave it to us. Um, for this book, which was really cool. Um, that's going to be a crust that is going to change you guys' life. It's not traditional pizza crust, though. It's something you have to cut sort of like a pie and slide it onto your plate. And, you know, you might not be able to pick up the whole piece. Um, but that crust in the book is actually under a gorgonzola fig arugula beautiful pizza. It's one of my favorite pizzas in the book. Right. I I love that one too. And I think that, you know, you would not have been capable of writing this book even a couple of years ago. You had to go through your exploration with plant-based cheeses to get to like a sort of level of mastery where you could take these Italian recipes and do them right with your plant-based cheeses, which just take them to like a whole new level. It really is. It's It's like the burrata and the, you know, all of these like flavors that are so Italian, like are just, it's like, you can't even believe that this stuff is plant-based when you're eating it. It's unbelievable. It's, It's really super delicious. And the one thing that I do want to share about Italian food, which is very different from, I think those of us that are, that eat in other parts of the world or that are in the plant-based community. And the thing that's been the most difficult to communicate to the chefs and to the cuisine and the way it shows up on the table is the, the amount of salad that we enjoy and the variety, you know, and it's not that they don't have the ingredients, it's that they don't serve salad that way. So I will, and I want to say right now that I am so proud of the salad section in this book. It is one of the strongest sections. And what I did is I I went next level on certain types of salads to give, so it, it it's reminiscent of the region, but it's n- not classically Italian in that way. So you have the Italian classics in this book, and then you have a lot of extra mm-hmm. that fits right along with it. And that's why it really is a table of of the new Italian cuisine 2.0, mm-hmm. because it does have extra things in it. What's really cool about this book, and I think distinguishes it from a typical cookbook, is that it's kind of a celebration of these experiences as much as it is just a standard collection of recipes. Like, we're celebrating all the people that came on these trips. Like the photography is from the actual events. So it's sort of like saying, thank you for going on this trip with us. And for everybody who couldn't come, like we would like to invite you to um, enjoy, you know, what has been so transformative to us, you know, in the, in the best way that we can without you actually having to come. 
Yeah. Well, the Plant Power Way was really, we opened our home and invited you to sit, pull up a seat and share a meal at our family table. That was really the the intention and the and the energy behind that book. And I feel like we've really accomplished our next dream, which is to extend our family to include our community of not only people that came on retreat. And I want to take a moment. First of all, the book is dedicated to everybody that came on retreat, that came and participated and made this possible and and went through the journey with us. Um, the bonds that we formed are for lifetime, you know, for sure. And it's also dedicated to everyone out there, all these beautiful people that we're meeting, that you're having on your podcast, that are listening to this podcast. All of us are part of the change. All of us are doing, you know, shining our light, living our dreams, finding out who we are, and really, you know, really working and committing to raise the level on what it means to live on planet Earth and how our food can really make positive changes and amazing changes. Um, This book invites the person who can't come on retreat to actually join us on retreat. So we have sections on tea ceremony, sections on running, sections on loving yourself as beloved, uh, yoga classes, music. So you get a feel of what it's really like to be and you know, with us during that time. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why we were so thrilled when uh, the publisher actually chose one of McClay Harriet's pictures of us eating. And, and the amazing thing is too, is the beauty of multitasking and it can be a little bit hairy and it's a lot of energy, but we've been through a week of transformation that we've just gone deep with each other. And on the, on the last day, it is literally a flood floodgate of tears for four hours. I mean, we are just, we're wrung out. We've just, everybody's given their heart and soul. We bonded at this level and there's not a dry eye and it's three or four hour experience. So right after that, we had to go change and go go to the table and and agree to be part of the shoot. Right. So so essentially we have this kind of circle experience on the last day where everyone kind of goes around and we share on a very deep level. It's incredibly intimate and emotional and wrap that. And then we go right into the final dinner, which is this extremely long table outside where, you know, Julie really takes, you know, it's, it's basically the finest expression of food. Like it's insane. But the idea was we're going to photograph this too, because this is potentially like the cover of the book. So we're kind of combining this production shoot with the actual experience of just being present with all of these people, which was tricky and very um, delicate. Like we didn't know if that was going to work. And like, are we taking on too much to try to like, you know, create a book while we're trying to like have this experience. And, and like I said, like be present. No, it's fair. And it's, it's very, very natural. First of all, everybody agreed. So we, you know, we kind of asked everybody and, and everybody was a great sport to do that for us. Um, but in addition, it's really awesome because we've literally just spent a week together. There's no hair and makeup people. There's no lights. Like we just, we just went out and we're at the table. And so like, you'll see like our hairs on our face and like the wind is blowing or whatever, but it's very, it's just so cool because it's really the truth. That was really the last dinner that we had together. So it wasn't, we did, we did tag the photo shoot on, but the real purpose of the dinner wasn't the photo shoot. Yeah, and course. then I had to make sure that the food really rocked it because they were super patient and like let us take photos for like an hour. 
And then when we brought the food out and everybody's still raving about that last dinner. So um, that's going to be our final night when, when we do the retreat mm -hmm. in May. What's your favorite recipe from the book? Oh, it's so hard to say. Wow, favorite recipe from the book. Um, I love the way the uh, Arabiata photographed. It's quite gorgeous and it's way delicious. Um, the eggplant parmigiana is just stellar. It's unbelievable. Um, what else? Let's see. There's so many things. There is a porcini walnut fettuccine that is one of the most delicious sauces I've ever created. It's just so rich and hearty and the mushrooms are so present in there. I also was really happy in this book to present some of Mother Nature's most amazing creations that she's provided in the woodlands, in the forest, that mimic um, tastes of the ocean. So I met this amazing mushroom vendor. His name is Dirk and he's the LA fun guy. You guys get it? Yeah, F-U-N-G-H-I. He's the LA fun guy. You can order his mushrooms online. I wanted to give him this little honor. He's really did a lot for me. He's a, a Michelin trained chef and you know he uh, basically took my hand and he's a he's very warm and loving and gives me lots of hugs and kisses and kept our plant power away book in his um at his stand every week but he started introducing me to mushrooms a couple of years ago and he introduced me to the lobster mushroom which is an orange mushroom that smells and tastes like lobster he introduced me to the chicken mushroom and the chicken mushroom if it's prepared a certain way tastes just like chicken breast he introduced me to wood ear clams, I mean, wood ear mushrooms, which I've repurposed in a kind of linguine clam garlic sauce, which is really cool. Um, he introduced me to chanterelles, which are beautiful in risotto. And he introduced me to king oyster mushrooms, which make an amazing sea scallop. So these are so, the appearance is so like the ocean creatures that when I've posted these on Instagram, I get people saying, okay, I'm going to unfollow you because I thought you were plant-based. And what do you mean? Is lobster vegan? And, I'm, and it's a mushroom that is called a lobster mushroom. It's crazy how nature has designed this because when you look at that lobster mushroom, if you slice it a certain way, it looks exactly like, it looks exactly like mushroom, has the same color. And when you taste it, it has the same texture in your mouth. It has this kind of saline, you know, fishy quality to it. It's freaky. And those king uh, mushrooms, when you slice them um, and saute them, they are scallops for all intents and purposes. It is bananas. It's crazy, yeah. And so, of course, these are specialty items. Of course, you're not gonna be able to get them, you know, in every modern supermarket. Um, but I really wanted to showcase these recipes to show what's available because for a special occasion, you could order them or many, many people have mushroom growers in their local area. Like find a mushroom vendor in your local area. And does farmer. Dirk ship? Like from, yeah, he, he does has lafungi.com, LA right? Yeah. Is his website. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a really cool thing that I was really happy that I got to feature that because those are really special um, dishes. And the, and the other thing is, is they're mushrooms. So they take almost no cook time. I mean, when you see the preparation, it's again, once again, I will still say plant-based eating and cooking, chefing plant-based is easier than any other 
any other mm-hmm. modality, any yeah. other. People are like, I don't have time. It's so, so. much easier. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Well, it isn't, I mean, to be fair, it is when you start talking about like oyster mushrooms and king, you know, like like lobster mushroom, whatever, like it, it, people can get like, whoa, I don't know what that is. They you can, know? but I'm just saying, just research it and figure it out because it's really easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and once again, just like my cheese recipes, you know, predominantly my recipes are extremely easy. Now there are a couple uh, dishes that take a little more building time. Like there's a potato fennel tart that makes a beautiful mandala pattern and you have to build it. You have to build it in layers. So, you know, if you make lasagna, you have to build it in layers. Um, If you make Parmigiana, you have to build it in layers. But overall, it's, it's very simple and straightforward. Here's the most important question. Should I grow a real mustache? <laughs> I say no, absolutely not. There's a lot of people, a lot of people who like are lobbying me to grow a mustache. So for people yeah. that are listening, Julie and I made a series of short little promo trailer videos for the cookbook where they're kind of parodies of um, of an Italian couple in the spirit of, you know, Sophia Loren or like the Godfather. Yes, like, and they were just fun little, like, how can we, make a little video about this book to kind of celebrate it, but not make it, you know, just make it fun and light and like silly. And so Julie came up with this crazy idea. We shot it in like an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and it Leia involved, did an amazing <laughs> job. Yeah, Leia shot it. Uh, it involved me wearing a fake mustache. And there was a lot of confusion at first, like who is this person? And then, oh my God, that's Rich. Is that a real <laughs> mustache? Is that a fake mustache? I look like, uh, I was accused of looking like, um, you got Brad Killing, Pitt. Well, a few, Brad a few Pitt times. and a Glorious Bastards, which I'll take. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, who's the guy who plays Killian Murphy's brother in Peaky Blinders? The oh, guy who's like dude. insane and is always getting in that's huge not, fights. That's not a good. That's not a good uh, likeness. <laughs> but that guy has an epic mustache. He does have so, an epic mustache. Anyway, like it I'm was considering kind of the mustache. No thing. No, no. Maybe you're not. I'll grow it when we're on our retreat in Italy. No, no, please don't. <laughs> no, no, maybe you not? should in Italy. It would be kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Well, anyway, send, no me, send me a message and let me know whether you think I should actually grow a mustache for the future of our marriage. No mustache, honey. <laughs> no mustache. <laughs> no. All right. You can uh, do a whole like beard whole thing, but no, no only mustache. Right. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about the book before we move on? Um, I don't know. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's uh, available April 24th. Uh, you can pre-order it anywhere. It would mean a lot if you, if you would pick it up. I mean, at this point after, you know, this is Julie's third cookbook, our you know fourth book amongst us together, all the podcasts, all the content that you know we between the two of us you know are constantly creating 99.9% of it is free and available to you guys uh and at this point if you have enjoyed our content if you've enjoyed our books in the past you could trust us that you know this book is actually at, at an even higher quality than anything we've ever done before um and it and it does i mean the truth of the matter is it helps us out a lot when you pre-order the book because all the booksellers like the Barnes and Nobles of the world are monitoring pre-order numbers to try to determine how large of an order they're gonna place for their retail stores. And when they see a lot of activity, they go, oh, this book is happening, this is hot, like, let's get on this, let's make sure that we have enough copies of this. And it, of course, that helps us, but it helps the long-term visibility of the book. And ultimately, um, it helps kind of advance 
the plant-based plant-based message, which is fundamentally, you know, what we're trying to achieve, what we're trying to accomplish. We're trying to introduce as many people as possible to these life transformative ideas around food, nutrition, diet, health, wellness, sustainability, compassion. Um, and the more people that we can expose to these types of books, uh, I think we're all better off as a culture and yeah, as a society. Yeah, def definitely. And, um, and the other thing is, is that my recipes are really good recipes for omnivores. They're good for everyone. Um, I've had so much fun doing tastings of my cheese at events and parties where people aren't plant-based and seeing them devour the food. And same thing with the Italian, this Italian version. Um, it's a great tool, tool guide to have in your pocket so that you can create food that everybody's gonna love. Right, because that's a big thing. People are like, well, how do I get my, you know, fill in the blank to, you know, eat this way? Or what if I'm going to a dinner party? What can I bring that people are gonna like? Like, there's no way that you can't like these recipes, no matter what your dietary preferences are. Yeah, they're pretty tasty. They're they're pretty fulfilling. They're pretty satisfying. Um, so that's, you know, that's a good thing. I mean, that's super, super helpful. And you guys bless us so much. Um, it's been amazing to see all the response also from the book promo trailers on Instagram. Super sweet. And you bless us and, you know, you're a part of this movement. And so if you consider yourself part of our tribe, if you listen to Rich's podcast, if you listen to Divine Throughline, um, if you enjoy what we're offering, it would really be great if you could pre-order the book. Um, that it helps us also for future projects and it just helps everything as it moves along. So anyway, thank you for that. Yes, thank you all. We're brought to you today by Birch. If you're serious about optimizing your sleep, listen up. I've spent countless hours researching and testing various methods to improve my nightly shut-eye, and I can confidently say that it all starts with a good foundation. And if your bed is old, if it's uncomfortable, lumpy, then your sleep inevitably is gonna be impacted. So it's important to invest in a quality mattress, one that's insanely comfortable, that's organic, sustainably made, and that, my friends, is a birch mattress. Fairtrade and Rainforest Alliance certified with the finest quality organic natural materials like organic Fairtrade cotton. Birch mattresses are made with none of the toxic chemicals and off-gassing produced by most major brands. Kind of important not to be breathing that for a third of your life, I'd say. Plus, it's super luxurious. I've been sleeping on Birch for about five years, and I'd say it's the perfect ratio of soft to supportive, and the craftsmanship is just next level. I've got one in every room of my house. I love it. Pretty sure you will too. And right now, Birch is giving 20% off all mattresses and two free EcoRest pillows at birchliving.com slash richroll. That's 20% off and two free EcoRest pillows. Sleep better with Birch. We're brought to you today by Seed. Gut health is all the rage. There's good reason for that. I've probably devoted, I don't know, at least a dozen episodes of this podcast to the many, many crucial ways the microbiome contributes to your overall well-being or lack thereof, and to the many diet and lifestyle protocols we should all adopt to promote gut health, from fermented food, 
to fiber and everything in between, including, of course, the importance of supplementing with a probiotic. And the one that I have come to trust far beyond the shenanigans of the supplement world is Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. It's the most solid, science-based, and rigorously evidence-backed probiotic and prebiotic on the market. Formulated for optimal digestion, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, skin health. In fact, my 16-year-old daughter has been using it to clear up a significant acne issue, and it's been wonderful, as well as many other systemic benefits. Like I said, I've been taking it daily, personally, for years. I love it. My body loves it. And right now, for our listener community, Seed is offering 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Visit seed.com slash richroll and use the code richroll25 to redeem this offer. That's seed.com slash richroll or code richroll25. We're brought to you today by recovery.com. I've been in recovery for a long time. It's not hyperbolic to say that I owe everything good in my life to sobriety. And it all began with treatment and experience that I had that quite literally saved my life. And in the many years since, I've in turn helped many suffering addicts and their loved ones find treatment. And with that, I know all too well just how confusing and how overwhelming and how challenging it can be to find the right place and the right level of care, especially because unfortunately, not all treatment resources adhere to ethical practices. It's a real problem, a problem I'm now happy and proud to share has been solved by the people at recovery.com who created an online support portal designed to guide, to support, and empower you to find the ideal level of care tailored to your personal needs. They've partnered with the best global behavioral health providers to cover the full spectrum of behavioral health disorders, including substance use disorders, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, gambling addictions, and more. Navigating their site is simple, search by insurance coverage, location, treatment type, you name it. Plus, you can read reviews from former patients to help you decide. Whether you're a busy exec, a parent of a struggling teen, or battling addiction yourself, I feel you. I empathize with you. I really do. And they have treatment options for you. Life in recovery is wonderful, and recovery.com is your partner in starting that journey. When you or a loved one need help, go to recovery.com and take the first step towards recovery. To find the best treatment option for you or a loved one, again, go to recovery.com. Can we talk about relationships? Yeah, let's talk about our relationship because it's been a long time said, since I've talked to you. I said relationships, you, and then you quickly pivoted to our relationship. Well, that's how we're going to talk about relationships. Are we? <laughs> how gonna, are we doing? How is our relationship well, doing, Julie? Because that's how we talk about everything. We talk about our own experience because mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about someone else's relationship. <laughs> that would just end up being a shit show or something. What is your perspective on how we're doing? I think we're at doing- 20 years in. I think we're doing pretty good, but am I? am I- in touch? Is there something going know. on I need to know? I'm happily married to you. I feel good. That's so good. You I know? feel actually really good. And I've had a lot of really special spiritual expansion moments with you on this trip, even though you're not aware of them. <laughs> <laughs> you're just quietly filing away experiences uh, that, no, that, that are beyond my perceptual abilities. Yeah, what, are, what are you talking about? I don't know. You know, it's amazing. I think it's, um, first of all, I think it's no accident that life has brought 
two such opposite people together <laughs> to, to cohabitate, <laughs> to try to co cohabitate. Right. Um, so as much as you kind of look at me and go, wow, look what he's doing. Like, wow, how does he, why is he doing that? You know, I do the same with you. I'm do like, you do that with me? Look, no. look, 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 look at what she's doing right now. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I wouldn't make that choice, but like, okay. <laughs> I know, but that's kind of the, the beauty of this experiment. You know, this experiment in the illusion of love, which is we're right in the thick of, of this kind of experience. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean that, you know, we come into these personalities and we project stories and, and storylines and, and emotions and experiences onto another human being. And then we, we're having some experience, but you and I have talked about, I mean, if you're not having the same experience that I'm having. I'm having my own experience. Right, but I I walk around convinced that you're experiencing the world the way that I am. Yeah, which is and a I lie. I think that that's, you know, basically, <laughs> you know, endemic to how most people live and function. Uh, and it's also the root cause of a tremendous amount of suffering. Yeah, that doesn't mean that it's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. means that it's a it's like a weird thing with this relationships in, in humanity. And um and yeah, uh so as we grow and mature, I mean, we've been together tw almost 20 years. Is it gonna be our, our what anniversary is it this year? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's when we, when we, when met, we kind of met and, then and we got started married. dating and living together versus when we got married. Just spiritually so married. What, I don't know what you use as the benchmark. No, I think it's just since we met. I yeah. don't know. I can't, I'm not good at math. I mean, we, 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 it was 2000. So we're coming, we're coming up on, it was really, it was the end of 1999. 1999. Yeah, cause we, we experienced the millennium, the <laughs> millennium did. together. I remember that. You broke your wrist, I think. I broke my wrist snowboarding. snowboarding. We were in Park City. It was five minutes on the slope and he's right. like broken wrist. Boom. Anyway, back okay. to. Yeah, back to our relationship. So now I feel, I it's interesting because as we go through different, sort of milestones and experiences. I think that there's there's new friction that gets introduced for different reasons as I'm I'm reconciling myself with creation and you're reconciling yourself and we're in this relationship. So there's times where we come against, you know, up against some friction and there's some moments where it's like, okay, how's this going to go? Mm -hmm. Like is this going to and it doesn't have to be like a big fight or a big breakup or anything like that, but they're, you know, we're changing. You're not the same man that I married, you know, in 1999. And I'm not the same woman. Like a lot has changed and keeps evolving. And if we're not evolving, then we're not living. It's not a living, breathing thing. But I think we've both evolved, you know, in different ways and sometimes in tandem at different speeds, but, you know, often in our own, you know, our, in our own unique kind of way, right? Like, it's not like, oh, we're both growing together in the same way, no. Um, and I think- We're growing apart and then <laughs> right. by growing apart, we can stay together. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of, it's, that was, that's a little tweak on what I was gonna say. I mean, what I was gonna say was some people, do grow apart, like they evolve in different ways. They evolve or devolve, or one person evolves and grows and the other person stays the same or stuck. Uh, and this is, you know, a big reason why a lot of couples, you know, can't stay together long-term. Um, and I think we've grown and evolved in different ways and, and have become different people. 
Um, and I don't know whether we've become less alike than we were before or not, but for some reason we've been able to do it in a way that has brought that has that has allowed us to uh, have more intimacy rather than less. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. So what is that about? Like, how, if you had to deconstruct that and provide some wisdom for somebody out there who's in a relationship, maybe they've been in it for a couple of years, things are starting to plateau or get stale or, uh, you know, what, what's the next five or 10 years gonna look like? Do I wanna stay in this? Yeah, well, I think that first of all, we're becoming more alike in, maybe not maybe not specifically, but the reason we're becoming more alike is because the actual actualization or self-realization of a human being is to have both masculine and feminine energies equally embodied in that person. It's sort of an androgyny, believe it or not. And so as I'm feeling, I'm feeling a, a new softness from you that I have never felt before. It goes back to the razor, <laughs> to him shaving his back, leg. Are we going, no, are we gonna we're going to talk about Harry's razor. We're going back to now? Harry's. No, I'm kidding. No, but, but here's the thing. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Right. Let me just finish. Because, it, and it's not even, I couldn't even tell you like, because you did X on that day. It is an underlying energy that has awakened in you that is something that is new for you. And I really feel that you are finding your, your feminine nature within yourself. And that is really beautiful to see. And I would maybe say, I don't know if you see, do you see that in me? I mean, do you see well, the same? Well, first of all, let me comment on that yeah, comment on statement. That. I would say that it takes uh, a very strong man secure in his masculinity to be able to hear that and accept that and not feel threatened by that statement. Rich is actually wearing <laughs> a dress right now. Yeah. No, like, listen, I, I I would concede that. I would agree with that. Like I've, I've learned to, uh, you know, kind of foster, cultivate, accept, um, and and uh, and nurture the feminine aspect of who I am, in the sense that you know none of us are just male or fem or or female. We're all like you know we're, we're we all embody characteristics of both, and the way we kind of carry ourselves in the world is some is some combination of these energies, right? Some people are super masculine. Some women are incredibly masculine and less fem. You know, it's like everybody knows this, right? Um, and I think there's something about the feminine energy that's beautiful that I think has been helpful to me. Um, but it's not like I'm relinquishing my masculinity. Like, I think I've also grown in the masculine aspects of who I am at the same time, like more comfortable in my own skin as a man. That's just your masculine that energy my being threatened by the appearance <laughs> I'm not of the threatened feminine. by this. No, I'm kidding. Y yes, uh, but what I'm saying is, is that in spiritual law or universal truth, it's even. So what we're looking for is an even balance between both. One cannot, we cannot exist without one. They both exist within the being, both of them. So. And this is where we go to, um, you know, the ultimate healing of of me too, of the imbalances that have been going on on this planet, and the whole 
prince princess lie and really implant of you know the illusion of romance um the real healing of that and the real triumph out of that is to own within ourselves our feminine and masculine within ourselves so they're not against each other male and f- male and female are not against each other they are two sides of the same coin that exists within the divine human being so when you see these like highly evolved spiritual masters like paramahansa yogananda they, you notice that they you're like is that a dude or is that a woman right. like they look very androgynous like they look kind of like both right and i mean they're i are would... exuding like a uh like this dualism like this even you know balance of both of those energies Yes, they are, and that is that choice in that form. And I wouldn't say that that means that we will we will all necessarily in a perfect state all look like that. But I would say that both energies would be developed, and then we could choose the way that we express ourselves. We can choose the way we dress. We can choose all those things because there's nothing missing within us. Right, but there's nothing. I think at the same time, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with being very feminine or very masculine, like for a woman to really just embrace her femininity or for a man, for a dude to just be like, I'm a masculine guy. No, there's nothing wrong with that. But we're looking at the condition of planet earth right now and what's going on and the violence and the separation and the disconnection. And so what we need to look to is cultivating those experiences within ourselves for the ultimate balance the ultimate wholeness, the ultimate self-sustainable ecosystem that is the body. Those, what I just said, they exist equally within us. And so it's our opportunity to cultivate that imbalance within ourselves. And when we know both energies intimately as our own beloved energies, there will be no polarization or no pushing against or no taking advantage of the other energy. You see what I mean? I'm trying to. I'm not sure I quite understand. Well, the same way that, you know, I feel like the overarching issue of our disconnection on planet Earth is way beyond a diet. There's not a diet solution. You and I have had this conversation many, many times. It's understanding that we come from one source and that each being is divine. And if you understand that divinity, you would not lash out at another. You know, you would you would understand that every life form is divine. It's kind of like when I had my awakening with you and I was trying to get you to eat health, healthy and you were eating junk food. It was the moment that I realized that you are a divine being and I released you to your life in love and respect. And that knowing, that's what catalyzed the beginning of this entire ride. It was that moment that mm-hmm. catalyzed it. So same way, if you look inside your being and understand that the balanced human being is both f- masculine and feminine. And so ultimately it should be, each energy should have equal airtime within your being because the world has been very patriarchal or very masculine driven. Yeah, okay, so this is the huge imbalance. You see it as an out an out uh, mirroring, right, mm-hmm. of that. So what we need to do, now the feminine is coming up and saying like, hello, you know, so we're having this whole appearance. 
And what we need to do is make sure that both of those energies are alive and nourished and nurtured within us. One is not better than the other. Both are part of what it means to be divine. So how does one do that? Like if somebody's listening and they're like, well, how do I nourish the other, you know, the, the opposite energy within myself? Um, well, uh, first of all, meditate on what I've just shared and find within yourself, you know, maybe you don't have an imbalance, you know, find within yourself and don't, if you're a big, strong man, don't be ashamed of crying or feeling softness or feeling compassion for an animal or, um, you know, loving to dance or anything, you know? And so, and if you're a woman, um, we, as women, I can speak maybe a little stronger to this because I'm in a fem female form in this body right now. W my experience from teaching retreats this year is that overwhelmingly women don't know how to advocate for themselves because we have been told or there's been a, a knowing that's in the planetary grid that women are soft and peaceful and pleasing and never challenge anyone. They make everyone feel okay. They make sure they look a certain way. When really a divine mother consciousness is every single color of expression. A divine mother might, you know, be fierce and hold a boundary. And, you know, it's not one color. Love is not one color. Love is many colors. And being feminine in a loving way is many colors. But we've been sort of brainwashed or trained to not challenge another person because that's not pleasing feminine behavior. Mm -hmm. And so it's great. But we're seeing a, you know, we're seeing an upending of that paradigm right now. It's beginning. There's been thousands of years of it being in the other direction. And I would say maybe one of the, uh, we're not in balance yet because it's coming up very strong right? It's coming up because she hasn't been heard and she needs to be heard. So, you know, there will be a moment. It's our opportunity to recognize that. And what I invite everybody to do, I've been doing it myself, watch the ways in which you dishonor the feminine in your daily life. And it wouldn't even be your intention, but watch your language, watch what you're thinking in your mind, you know, um, for instance, you know, if you have a prejudice or you have a belief that if somebody's a bad driver, they're a woman, if you have a prejudice, you know, if just look at, look at those things within yourself. And I think if you observe your mind, you'll be kind of surprised with this new sort of light on it. Um, how much of our culture is ingrained in that manner? And then I also want to say, which I always say on my retreats, is just how much I love men and I love the masculine and I honor the masculine. And there's so many beautiful men. Again, these energies exist within ourselves. And in balance, we have both of these energies. So the solution isn't for one to overcome the other. The solution is that we find the balance within ourselves and start to change the way that we interact. What is the meaning of life? What happens when we die? 
what is our purpose here? If like me, you ponder these delicious existential questions, I have got just the thing for you. It's called Soul Boom. It's a podcast hosted by everyone's favorite best friend and my friend, the deep thinking and deeply hilarious Rain Wilson, where he communes with intellectuals and entertainers, theologians and philosophers in intimate exchanges that tickle the mind, heart, and yes, the soul. Subscribe to Soul Boom on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. I'm super proud to announce my next venture, Voicing Change Media. This beautiful consortium of thinkers, storytellers, artists, and visionaries all committed to fostering meaningful exchanges and sharing thought-provoking content. Voicing Change Media will feature shows like The Proof with Simon Hill, Soul Boom with Rain Wilson, Mentor Buffet with Alexi Pappas, Feel Better Live More with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee, and The Conversation with Amanda Decadene. You can explore this network and all its offerings at voicingchange.media. There is so much health information out there. It can feel overwhelming and leave even the most well-intentioned confused about what's what and who to trust. Well, the first person that I call when I'm seeking clarity is my friend and nutrition expert, Simon Hill, host of the fantastic podcast, The Proof. Each week, Simon matches wits with brilliant scientists, translating their evidence-based insights into actionable tools for better well-being. Subscribe to The Proof, available wherever you get your podcasts, and explore other groundbreaking series at voicingchange.media. Now I'm back to you and my relationship. Right. That's what I, I wanted to bring it back, not just to us, but to, you know, somebody who's listening, who's in a relationship, who's trying to figure out what the next chapter looks like. Well, I'm feeling that this is what is happening with us organically right now. This is my observation of our relationship on this. And so I'm going to share a very personal experience because that's only that's the only way that I can really demonstrate what someone else could do. And this would be from a woman's perspective. Um, but I, And I can talk about it now because now I'm through it and it's not scary to me anymore and it's not threatening to me anymore. But a lot of you guys know our message. You know, we've been together on this journey. Um, you know, I've been an integral part of Rich's story and the things that I committed to do for him, for our relationship, um, were a huge expression of love for me during all these years. And the way that Divine Mother has laid our story out, Rich came up front and center first and became very well known. And like, you know, his book and his podcast and everybody knows Rich. And the thing is, is that I've always been an entrepreneur since I was young. And I always was going to be expressing myself in many, many ways. And so at the very beginning stages of him coming out, I could feel that there were energies that would seek to destroy our relationship. This is what happens when you go in the public eye. And so there was an experience where he went to an event in Mexico and uh, he was to be on the cover of a magazine or something. And he ended up being photographed for the magazine, coming home. And then later the company photoshopped a hot girl on the cover with him. And he was like pointing at her. And 
um, you know, I called a meeting and I was like, you called a yeah, meeting. I did. I uh-huh. called a meeting and I was like, is this what we, is this what we suffered for, for nine years? Is, is this our mission of our company? And the response was, well, you know, it just happened. It's no big deal. And I was like, uh-uh, it's a big deal. It's not no big deal. Um, and this is not what, this is not the vibration of what we're doing. It's not the message of what we're doing. And it's not just to say, well, sex sells, you know, that's how it is. Uh-uh. And luckily, because you're an amazing partner, instead of getting um, defensive about that, you understood and you did not pr- promote that magazine cover. And we agreed in the future that any public appearance, you know, that we would need to be more on top of it. We would need to know what does that mean? You know, what does that cover mean? And understand that we could say no to things, that we didn't have to just take it because that's what they, that's how they wanted to present it. Mm-hmm. So taking this just one step further to my amazing empowerment over this issue is that I've been raised to believe that when I get to a certain age, when women get to a certain age beyond childbearing years, that they are no longer useful and that men will choose a younger model. This is a truth. It's not like my mom said it to me. It's been ingrained in the culture and it's been something that's been very prominent in my psyche. Maybe this is you know, why I love fashion or maybe it, you know, I don't know, you know, it's part of who I am being very honest. And I think there are a lot of women that share this same truth with me. So what I did is some, some years after that, this issue came up very strong and I was feeling, you know, as you're gaining in, in notoriety and, um, I don't know, I could feel, I could feel this energy. And so, the way that I dealt with it is that the I The energy, went, it, essentially the energy meaning like, I'm sort of ascending in terms of public awareness and you're and you're kind of over on the side being underappreciated or under noticed for your contribution to the collective whole of what we were doing. N- not, so, not so much in that, but I was, it was not my time to come out yet. And that was a little hard for me during some of those years because because I was never the woman behind the man, never yeah. was, it was never the deal. Like, I know, and it's funny because sometimes when I I go and I give these talks and you're with me, they're like behind every great man, there's a great woman and it drives you insane. No, I just, <laughs> you know. But if just, I could really quick, just interject on that issue of like the Mexico, like I did, I went to, I went to Mexico City for an event and there was a shoot for like Runner's World Mexico. And I was I was the only one, you know, they were just shooting me. And it wasn't until after the fact where they were like, well, maybe we'll, we're gonna put somebody else on the cover with you. And I was like, oh, whatever. And then the cover comes out and it is, it was bizarre because they Photoshopped this woman that I'd never met in my, I've never met this person into the cover where it looks like we're together. And I, I'm like pointing my finger at her. And it like, was the weirdest thing. Like, isn't she hot? Yeah, it's like, I don't even know this person. And it makes you, and you're right also that at the time I was like, well, whatever, you know, I, I, I was like, I didn't really understand why that um, 
impacted you in the way that it did. And I had to be able to like hear you on that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, isn't it interesting that you don't understand why? And isn't, and it's not against you. It's the culture because I had someone else say to me, well, that's how it is. Sex sells. I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Wait, hold on. No, no, I didn't almost like die for, for this to be the payoff. So again, it's like, it's up to us to take responsibility for the message and how it's being used. And so that was, that was a learning experience. But later on, when I felt the energy present again, and I'll, I'll just call it an energy because I, I don't even think it's individuals. I think, it, I think the energy uses individuals to show up in your life. And in a way, it's a test. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity. Um, you know, and it's completely imbalanced. You know, it's not, it's not like, oh, well, whatever. No, it's not, not that. But what I was able to do with myself is I was able to go into meditation and I was able to create a healing technique where I disconnected myself from that paradigm of truth. And I, I rescinded all participation in that program that women are not useful after childbearing age, I disconnected my beliefs ingrained in me that that is what happens. And through a process of meditation and self-healing techniques, I removed the button from inside of me. Because as we all know, what you resist persists. And why was this showing up for me anyway? It's showing up for me because I have an imbalance around it. And if I want to be empowered in the experience, it showed up for my mastery. It's giving me an opportunity for my mastery. So therefore, um, I think one time I had a dream too. I had like some dream that you like cheated on me with this girl or something like that. I can't remember. But instead of me waking up and telling you about it and being, or not telling you about it and being angry and like passive aggressive at you all day for like something you don't even know. Again, I took the responsibility. It's my dream. Like I had the dream, but why did I have the dream? And again, take the magnifying glass inside me, work on clearing this trigger and removing the, the button. And I have to say, that I don't feel that in my being anymore. And it's really amazing. Like it's really empowering. And I feel like I like, you know, like I, I earned an initiation or something because it was so ingrained in me from the time I was a little girl. It was like, you know, you better make sure that you look better, that you're nicer, smarter, sexier, you know, and that you that you're watching 24/7 and you you know it was like very very ingrained and swami vidyadishananda gave me a really amazing uh wisdom when i was speaking to him some years ago and you know in the vedas women are in their most creative moment of their life after childbearing years in the spiritual scriptures that's when everything happens for them is during that time. And yet in Western cultures, um, that's, not, that's not the way it's presented. And 
as women, we've been playing that role for so long. We even play the role against ourselves without even understanding that that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so once again, as with every single thing that's going on in our life, um, from the food system to the banking system, to, you know, media, to technology, to AI, every single thing, the responsibility is on us. And so why do I think we feel so amazingly good after 20 years is because we have been able to do that interpersonal work, each of us in our very different ways. And that energy doesn't exist between us. So that, whatever that, I'm going to call it a beast, that beast of energy that exists out there really can't penetrate us because we're we're free of it. It doesn't have like energy inside of our beings. Mm -hmm. We all have uh, deeply ingrained beliefs that are culturally reinforced, many of which are, you know, sort of untrue or unhealthy. And, you know, I like this idea of, uh, you know, this journey that you went on to kind of really wrestle with those ideas that you were harboring within yourself, deconstructing them, and then like sort of disempowering them, like removing the button. Um, and we got to wrap this up in a minute, but I think it would be instructive to kind of walk people through that process. You know, it's like, I have, I have you know, beliefs that I walk around with that I would like to, that, that I would be better off if I could remove the button or the charge or the, you know, the sort of um, the affirmation of them because they don't serve me, but mm -hmm. they're just part of, you know, who I've always been or, or just things that we walk around with that have been culturally, you know, imposed upon us. Okay. So, um, I will say, I'm going to give a very rough, you know, I have to give like a rough sort of outline of how you would do it. Is that what you want me to do right now? Yeah, I think that would be good. Okay. So what you want to do is you got to be brutally honest with yourself, just how I just was with you guys. You can't hide. You can't, I can't sit there and just act like it doesn't bug me or that I'm above it or, you know, um, say I'm just not going to show it because you can't hide from yourself <laughs> and wherever you go, there you are. So the first thing is to get real with yourself. So I think that if this conversation has inspired anything in you, observe yourself over the next week, you know, day, week, month. And when that thing, your greatest pain in your life, whatever your greatest wounding is that comes up or some thought pattern that you're like, where did, where did that come from? Write it down. And then you're gonna go into meditation you're going to get into a, a, a space of quiet and um, imagine that you are putting yourself in a sacred container. So it's going to be a container of platinum light where you are completely sealed, 360 degrees, and you're going to ask to connect with the highest aspect of yourself. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. So you're going to just say highest aspect of self come into this moment in time and assist me in clearing this pattern, which no longer serves me. 
So call the pattern into mind. Either say it, you know, whatever it is. Bring it in to mind. And then scan your body and see if you feel any place in your body that you think it is living in. It could take the form of a a tightness in your heart, um, a sick feeling in your gut, um, something blocking your neck. It could be anything. And then say these words. Beloved highest self, I rescind any and all participation in any programs pertaining to lack, fear, or separation around, I'll use my my, uh, example, being uh, abandoned, betrayed, and deceived for a younger woman. And say, please disconnect me from this energy throughout all realities, all timelines, and all dimensions. And actually feel yourself releasing this energy, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's a visual or a memory, and allow it to be transmuted out of your body, through the walls of your container, and ask that it be taken um, for healing, that it be cared for. Because it's like it, it's like garbage. Like you don't just take garbage out and leave it there. So ask that it be cared for, transited out. That's a very basic, I mean, that's super basic multidimensional healing. And then what I would do is every night when you go to sleep, ask your higher self to disconnect you from that truth or that wound or that patterning. And just take responsibility and mm-hmm. say, no, that's not me. Is that you? No, it's not you. You are the eternal consciousness that is radiating always, eternally, with every potential. So where did you pick up those patterns? Well, maybe you picked them up from your mom, but you don't need to focus on that because she picked it up from her mom. And where did her mom pick it up? Probably from the planetary grid. So it's like there's no blame to be had. It's let's you have to grow up and take responsibility and get the button out of you. You can't just go through life and go, yeah, I hate women drivers. You know, that doesn't work. That's not evolution. So it's an amazing opportunity when you develop the ability to observe yourself and understand that you are a divine being. And there's a lot of really messed up stuff on this planet that we're carrying around within us. And there's an extraordinary amount of beautiful stuff on this planet that hopefully by making these choices, by choosing plants on your plate, we can start to really love our mother earth in the manner um, in which she is. She is such a beautiful living being, and she is within us, around us, throughout us. So love yourself and love your mother. Beautiful. Yeah, I think the, um, 
the journey to self-awareness, to greater self-discovery, you know, begins with meditation. If you're somebody who isn't even aware of what your buttons are, it has to begin with developing the ability to be present with yourself so that you can become the neutral observer of your actions and your reactions. So that when you finally step into some semblance of awareness around the things that impulse you in a way that um, is beyond your conscious, you know, ability to control or manage. That's the beginning of understanding, uh, you know, where these buttons, you know, lie within yourself. So I think that's the first step, awareness, right? And then it's noticing as they come up. And like you said, journaling them, writing it down. And the greater, um, the more acuity you're able to develop around how and when these things arise, you start to notice patterns and you start to understand kind of the, the process that gets you impulsed, right? And I think that can then put you on a track to um, what you just mentioned, which is, you know, developing uh, a strategy for fundamentally overcoming um, those, uh, you know, those thought patterns from controlling your behavior so that you can transcend them. Definitely. And I think it's very helpful to understand that you can attach to a story that can give you validity for your wounding. And that's not helping you. It's not freeing you. So if you want to be a free being, you have to take the responsibility to clear those thought forms, belief systems, ideas, truths that were implanted in you by someone, something, who knows, whatever it is, what's the life you want to embody? So you can talk about it and blame, and it's never going to be clear. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a beautiful opportunity to take that. And there's many ways to do that, but it's been profound in my life. And I feel so awesome because I feel free. The powerful Srimati. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Rich Roll. Uh, if you want to connect with Julie, the best way to do that is probably Instagram at Srimati, S-R-I-M-A-T-I. Her podcast is Divine Throughline. She is the author of now three cookbooks, the upcoming Plant Power Way Italia, which we talked about today. Uh, pick it up from your favorite bookseller, pre-order on sale April 24th. What else do you want to say, Julie? Um, just, yeah, Instagram's a great place to follow me. And uh, you can also uh, go to my site, srimati.com. I have all my projects that I'm working on um, there. And uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Cool. Peace. Plants. Namaste. Yeah.